welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Rapping, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all your brothers and sisters in spirit. If that was the case for most of us, mankind would indeed be on the upswing. Higher vibrations, expansion of consciousness, our divine power, unlimited. And yes, the goal of peace on earth, attainable. But for those of us that still find it a struggle to sincerely love anyone in which the spirit of the living God dwells, and that would be all of us, no matter our nationality, color, or beliefs, you hinder yourselves more by not honoring your own mighty I Am Presence. For it is the spirit of the living God dwelling in you, and it cannot be true in any way that one can claim to love the living God within themselves and not love that same one spirit of the living God in others, for the substance and nature of the one living God is not divisible. Now, there are those that may not want to believe that and look for ways to justify being unloving to another. But we can never rationalize being unloving in truth. Because the living God, being omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, and omnibenevolent, knows the content of all our hearts. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved. From the beginning of the world, There have always been God-enlightened men and experienced philosophers and wise Gentiles who diligently studied the nature and properties of the lower creation. They laboriously endeavored and fervently longed to discover whether nature contained anything that would preserve our earthly body from decay and death and maintain it in perpetual health and vigor. For by the light of nature and divine revelation, they intuitively perceived that the Almighty, in His love to men, must have concealed in the world some wonderful arcanum by which every imperfect, diseased, and defective thing in the whole world might be renewed, and restored to its former vigor. By the most diligent and careful search they gradually found out that there was nothing in this world that could procure for our earthly and corruptible body immunity from death, since death was laid upon the protoplasts, Adam and Eve, and their posterity, as a perpetual penalty. But they did discover one thing which, being itself incorruptible, has been ordained of God for the good of man, to remove disease, to cure all imperfection, to purge old age, and to prolong our brief life, a boon actually enjoyed by the patriarchs. This wonderful remedy was industriously sought by the wise and understanding, until they discovered it, and its precious virtue. Thus, the patriarchs used it to restore their bodily vigor, 
and prolong their lives, and it was no doubt revealed by God to Adam, our thrice great parent, who bequeathed the secret to all the patriarchs who were his descendants, who thereby procured for themselves length of days and boundless wealth. When the aforesaid Gentiles had received this knowledge, they justly regarded it as a most precious gift of God and a most holy art, and for as much as they perceived that, by God's providence, it had been revealed only to a few and concealed from the majority of mankind, they always made it a point of conscience and honor to keep it secret. But that the secret might not be lost, but rather continued and preserved to posterity, they expounded it most faithfully, both in their writings and in oral teaching to their faithful disciples, for the benefit of posterity, nevertheless, they so clothed and concealed the truth in allegorical language that even now only very few are able to understand their instruction and turn it to practical account. For this practice they had a very good reason, they wished to force those who seek this wisdom to feel their dependence on God, in whose hand are all things, to obtain it through instant prayer, and, when it has been revealed to them, to give all the glory to Him. Moreover, they did not wish the pearls to be cast before swine. For they knew that if it were made known to the wicked world, men would greedily desire nothing but this one thing, neglect all labor, and give themselves up to a dissolute and degraded life. But although the said philosophers have treated this subject with so great a variety of method, and used many peculiar and singular expressions, curious parables, and strange and fanciful words, yet they all agree in pointing out the same goal and one and the same matter as essential to the right conduct of the art. Nevertheless, many students of the art have entirely missed their meaning, and the secret matter of which they speak. For at the present day there are, as there have always been, a large number not only of low charlatans, but of grave and learned men, who have sought this knowledge with unwearied industry, and yet have not been able to attain to it. Nor is there any doubt that, among our own contemporaries, there might be found some, who, through the grace of God, daily enjoy this arcanum, though they keep it a close secret from the world. But where are you to find such? Seek the good, you may know them by their excelling the rest in weight, matter, and performance. There are many students of this art who would fain learn its secret by a true and straight path, and are yet so bewildered by these impostors and charlatans, by their empty talk and their high pretensions, that they do not know which way to turn. Who is he that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the right path. In the first place, let every devout and God-fearing chemist and student of this art consider that this arcanum should be regarded, not only as a truly great, but as a most holy art, seeing that it typifies and shadows out the highest heavenly good. Therefore, if any man desire to reach this great and unspeakable mystery, he must remember that it is obtained not by the might of man, but by the grace of God, and that not our will or desire, but only the mercy of the Most High can bestow it upon us. For this reason, you must first of all cleanse your heart, lift it to him alone, and ask of him this gift in true, earnest, and undoubting prayer. He alone can give and bestow it. If the omnipotent God, who is the unerring searcher of all hearts, should find in you uprightness, faithfulness, sincerity, and a desire to know this art, not for any selfish end, but for his true honor and glory, he will doubtless hear your prayer, according to his promise, and so lead you by his Holy Spirit that you will begin to understand this art, and feel that this knowledge would never have entered your heart if the most gracious Lord had not answered your petition, and revealed to you the understanding even of the most elementary principles. Then fall upon thy knees, and with a humble and contrite heart render to him the praise, honor, and glory due for the hearing of thy prayer, and ask him again and again to continue to thee his grace, and to grant that, 
After attaining to full and perfect knowledge of this profound mystery, thou mayest be enabled to use it to the glory and honor of his most holy name, and for the good of thy suffering fellow men. Moreover, as you love your soul, beware of revealing the mystery to any unworthy or wicked man, even in the smallest particular, or by making him in any sense a partaker thereof. If you in any way abuse the gift of God, or use it for your own glorification, you will most certainly be called to account by the Almighty Giver, and you will think that it would have been better for you if you had never known it. When you have thus, as it were, devoted yourself to God, who is not mocked and learned to appreciate justly the aim and scope of this art, you should, in the first place, strive to realize how nature, having been set in order by God the Triune, now works invisibly day by day and moves and dwells in the will of God alone. For no one should set about the study of this art without a just appreciation of natural processes. Now nature may truly be described as being one, true, simple, and perfect in her own essence, and as being animated by an invisible spirit. If there, Lord, you would know her, you, too, should be true, single-hearted, patient, constant, pious, forbearing, and, in short, a new and regenerate man. If you know yourself to be so constituted and your nature adapted to nature, you will have an intuitive insight into her working, such as it would otherwise be impossible to obtain. For the study of this art is such a perfect guide to excellence that a good knowledge of its principles will, as it were, against your will, hurry you on to an understanding of all the wonderful things of God, and teach you to rate all temporal and worldly things at their true value. But let not him who desires this knowledge for the purpose of procuring wealth and pleasure think that he will ever attain to it. Therefore, let your mind and thoughts be turned away from all things earthly, and, as it were, created anew and consecrated to God alone. For you should observe that these three, body, soul, and spirit, must work together in harmony if you are to bring your study of this art to a prosperous issue, for unless the mind and heart of a man be governed by the same law which develops the whole work, such an one must indubitably err in the art. When you are in inward harmony with God's world, outward conformity will not be wanting. Yet our artist can do nothing but sow, plant, and water, God must give the increase. Therefore, if anyone be the enemy of God, all nature declares war against him, but to one who loves God, heaven and earth and all the elements must lend their assistance. If you bear these things in mind, and know the true first matter, you may at once set about the practical part of this study, calling on God for grace, direction and guidance, so that your work may be carried successfully through all its stages. Thus, gentle and well-wishing reader, I have briefly and simply set forth to you the perfect analogy which exists between our earthly and chemical on the true and heavenly stone, Jesus Christ, whereby we may attain unto certain beatitude and perfection, not only in earthly but also in eternal life. I might have done so more grandly and copiously, but you must know that I am neither a theologian, nor, according to the modern fashion, an Aristotelico theologian, but a simple and unsophisticated layman. For the knowledge which God has committed to me, I have obtained, not at any learned academy, but in the universal school of nature, and by perusing the open book of God. For this reason, I have expressed my thoughts simply, and not tricked them out in sesquipedalian words, as is the manner of professional theologians, nor do I pretend to have exhausted the subject, all that I have done is to throw out some hints for the guidance of those who wish to investigate it more carefully. In doing my best, I have also endeavored to do my duty, for every lover of the truth is bound to praise God by revealing the knowledge entrusted to him. 
Let not the blasphemies and reckless judgment of the wicked world trouble the true Christian, against whom they are directed, for the devil and his servants have at all times done to the followers of Christ what they did to Christ himself. Therefore, I will say no more on this subject, but I will leave it to be decided by the judge of all the world. The Hermetic Museum, Volume 1, by Arthur Edward Waite, 1893. Apocalypsis, and the explanations of sincere Christian bishops, like Synesius, who, to the last, adhere to the Platonic doctrines, make us think that the wisest and safest way is to hold to that sincere primitive faith which seems to have actuated the above-named bishop. This best, sincerest, and most unfortunate of Christians, addressing the unknown, exclaims, O Father of the worlds, Father of the eons, Artificer of the gods, it is holy to praise. But Synesius had Hypatia for an instructor, and this is why we find him confessing in all sincerity his opinions and profession of faith. The rabble desires nothing better than to be deceived, as regards myself, therefore, I will always be a philosopher with myself, but I must be priest with the people. Holy is God the Father of all being, holy is God, whose wisdom is carried out into execution by his own powers, holy art thou, who through the word had created all. Therefore, I believe in thee, and bear testimony, and go into the life and light. Thus speaks Hermes Trismegistus, the heathen divine. What Christian bishop could have said better than that? The apparent discrepancy of the four Gospels as a whole, does not prevent every narrative given in the New Testament, however much disfigured, having a groundwork of truth. To this, are cunningly adapted details made to fit the later exigencies of the Church. So, propped up partially by indirect evidence, still more by blind faith, they have become, with time, articles of faith. Even the fictitious massacre of the innocents by King Herod has a certain foundation to it, in its allegorical sense. Apart from the now discovered fact that the whole story of such a massacre of the innocents is bodily taken from the Hindu Bhagavad Gita, and Brahmanical traditions, the legend refers, moreover, allegorically, to a historical fact. King Herod is the type of Kansa, the tyrant of Madura, the maternal uncle of Krishna, to whom astrologers predicted that a son of his niece Devaki would deprive him of his throne. Therefore, he gives orders to kill the male child that is born to her, but Krishna escapes his fury through the protection of Mahadeva, the great god, who causes the child to be carried away to another city, out of Kansa's reach. After that, in order to be sure and kill the right boy, on whom he failed to lay his murderous hands, Kansa has all the male newborn infants within his kingdom killed. Krishna is also worshipped by the Gopas, the shepherds, of the land. Though this ancient Indian legend bears a very suspicious resemblance to the more modern biblical romance, Gafferal and others attribute the origin of the latter to the persecutions during the Herodian reign of the Kabbalists and the wise men, who had not remained strictly orthodox. The latter, as well as the prophets, were nicknamed the innocents, and the babes, on account of their holiness. As in the case of certain degrees of modern masonry, the adepts reckon their grade of initiation by a symbolic age. Thus, Saul who, when chosen king, was a choice and godly man, and from his shoulders upward was higher than any of the people, is described in Catholic versions, as child of one year when he began to reign, which, in its literal sense, is a palpable absurdity. 
But in 1 Samuel 10, his anointing by Samuel and initiation are described, and at verse 6, Samuel uses this significant language, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. The phrase above quoted is thus made plain, he had received one degree of initiation and was symbolically described as a child one-year-old. The Catholic Bible, from which the text is quoted, with charming candor says in a footnote, it is extremely difficult to explain, meaning that Saul was a child of one year. But undaunted by any difficulty the editor, nevertheless, does take upon himself to explain it, and adds, a child of one year. That is, he was good and like an innocent child. An interpretation as ingenious as it is pious, and which if it does no good, can certainly do no harm. H. P. Blavatsky If the explanation of the Kabbalists is rejected, then the whole subject falls into confusion, worse still, for it becomes a direct plagiarism from the Hindu legend. All the commentators have agreed that a literal massacre of young children is nowhere mentioned in history, and that, Moreover, an occurrence like that would have made such a bloody page in Roman annals that the record of it would have been preserved for us by every author of the day. Herod himself was a subject to the Roman law, and undoubtedly, he would have paid the penalty of such a monstrous crime, with his own life. But if on the one hand, we have not the slightest trace of this fable in history, on the other, we find in the official complaints of the synagogue abundant evidence of the persecution of the initiates. The Talmud also corroborates it. The Jewish version of the birth of Jesus is recorded in the Sefer Toldos Jeshu in the following words, Mary having become the mother of a son, named Jehosha, and the boy growing up, she entrusted him to the care of the rabbi Elenin, and the child progressed in knowledge, for he was well gifted with spirit and understanding. Rabbi Jehosha, son of Perchia, continued the education of Jehosha, Jesus, after Elenin, and initiated him in the secret knowledge, but the king, Janaeus, Having given orders to slay all the initiates, Jehoshua ben Perchia fled to Alexandria in Egypt, taking the boy with him. While in Alexandria, continues the story, they were received in the house of a rich and learned lady personified Egypt. Young Jesus found her beautiful, notwithstanding a defect in her eyes, and declared so to his master. Upon his hearing this, the latter became so angry that his pupil should find in the land of bondage anything good, that he cursed him and drove the young man from his presence. Then follows a series of adventures told in allegorical language, which show that Jesus supplemented his initiation in the Jewish Kabbalah with an additional acquisition of the secret wisdom of Egypt. When the persecution ceased, they both returned to Judea. H. P. Blavatsky When you cannot forgive a thing yourself because of injury and because of the feeling generated in the emotional body, when you can't do things yourself in the outer, turn back to your beloved I am presence and the angelic host and the sacred fire, and I assure you, we can do what you cannot. But if you call the great central sun's cosmic Christ blue lightning purity that the angels of blue lightning direct into a condition, your very willingness to make that call and correct the condition, the divine way of the angelic host will automatically bring back the blessings that will free you from the injustice. It will help you to hold the harmony within yourselves, and you will find, as you set this habit, and will no longer allow yourself to be connected with wrong conditions in the outer world, you will find it will improve your health.
It will eventually close the door against anything that would impose ill health upon you, and it will keep the energy of your emotional body purified and quiet, so that the higher mental body can have its unobstructed control of the outer self. And then only its constructive consciousness, and its purifying love can come into your feeling world. And it is what keeps you disconnected from the radiation or the condition that before had injured you. This is a marvelous secret, my loved ones, and if you only recognize the angelic host, to call forth the angels of cosmic Christ blue lightning purity to take charge of conditions in the outer world that are so vicious and so terrible, and just make your call. As time goes on, your own beloved mighty I am presence and higher mental body would keep you free from, disconnected from those conditions in your outer world affairs and activities. And therefore, it becomes an insulation around you and your world to help you be free from the discord generated by mankind, past and present. So often, beloved ones, we use the sword of blue flame in these conditions, and I assure you, the angels of the flaming sword know no such things as failure or opposition. So, when you call the angels of the flaming sword to draw the great central sun's cosmic Christ blue lightning purity into a condition, and the violet consuming flames purifying love, forgiveness, and mercy to life, that moves into outer physical conditions the annihilation of the hordes of evil. If you are willing to make that call, and you recognize the reality of our presence, and call to us to render the service, your own beloved I am presence can at all times, pour forth through you whatever sacred fire keeps you disconnected from that which is generated in the outer world to destroy anybody or anything that is seeking or trying to hold to the constructive way of life. Beloved Archangel Michael, The legions of the angels of the flaming sword are no figment of anybody's imagination. And if you want to know the reality of their presence, ask for their revealment. Ask that mankind be forced to see them in action in the control of outer world physical conditions, because of the filth that has been imposed upon your nation, and that which is intended to desecrate that which is of the Christ within your borders. You are in the hour of need tonight, when the legions of the angels of the flaming sword, who project the great central sun's cosmic Christ blue lightning purity into a condition to prevent what the hordes of evil intend, not only release the destructive forces in the outer world, and prevent the damage they would do otherwise, but you automatically draw protection in and around yourselves, because every call that you send forth to the angelic host for the use of the sacred fire in the physical octave to correct conditions here will be answered, just as certainly as that call goes forth, because that is why we are in the lower atmosphere of Earth, and we are here tonight. Applause. Thank you so much. And the whole nation needs our presence tonight and needs the sacred fire which we direct. And therefore, those of you who understand that our presence is here, who understand how to make this call, can have unlimited answers to your calls, as you set into action the sacred fire that must come to compel purification, because purification can only come through the use of the fire element. There are uncountable legions of the angels of the sacred fire in the upper atmosphere of earth that can, in one mighty flash, silence the nation, compel silence to everything within your borders. And that's what I mean by the power of the blue lightning Christ, and its immortal purity to rule conditions here. And in the face of what is planned against the decent people within your borders, this needs to be drawn into the physical octave as soon as possible. And in calling this forth to protect what is constructive within your land, you automatically will be enfolded in the angelic host's sacred fire protection also. So when you begin to use the angelic host's miracle mantle of cosmic Christ blue lightning control and immortal purity, you will have it. You will see it manifest. You will control conditions by it, and you will be protected, because the very call itself brings protection to all that is constructive. 
Beloved Archangel Michael, 